0: There is an ancient proverb. Ye who pisses off the Kardashians does so at ye's own peril. Okay fine, it's not that ancient, nor is it much of a proverb, but this week on Download This Show, online picture sharing platform Instagram found out the hard way that if you annoy major reality stars and, well, millions of users with a redesigned platform, it can end very badly. Also, is TikTok really a bigger security risk than other social media services? And lockdowns seem to be a thing of the past, and there's a huge knock-on effect for online shopping services. All of that and much more coming up. This is your guide to the week in media, technology, and culture. My name is Mark Fennell, and welcome to Download This Show. Yes, indeed, it is a brand new episode of Download This Show. Our guest this week—he is the co-founder of the Daily Oz, Sam Kozlowski. Welcome back to Download This Show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. And joining us from New Zealand, Manal Ar-Sharif, co-host of the Tech for Evil podcast and cybersecurity expert. Welcome back to Download This Show.
1: Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me.
0: How are the slopes of New Zealand? Are they good?
1: We, <laughs> we're, i took the rain from Sydney to New Zealand. What? It's been raining nonstop. <laughs> Why would but, you do that? But they opened the borders yesterday.
0: Well, That's good. I'm August glad, 1st. I'm glad you can make the time for us. All right, first up this week, uh, Instagram. Actually, you know, Sam, I mean, Daily Oz was, uh, you know, famously uh, a, 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 a new service that kind of built its, I guess, built its fame on Instagram. Yeah. And in the last couple of weeks, Instagram has been through some challenging choices let's just say let's bring us up to speed for people that didn't maybe catch last week's show what is it that they changed and then how did they backflip i I like to think it's like instagram's adolescence like they've been a little bit
2: rebellious but now they're coming around they're reaching the later stage of their adolescence and they're realizing that the straight and narrow is better for them i think the best way to explain it i don't know what adolescence you had (laughs) but
0: anyway yes carry on no they're going through a rebellion oh okay right didn't you ever rebel? No, no. I'm a massive. I, look, I'm, I'm a nerd. I have a show on Radio National. This is my rebellion. Okay. Well, my
2: rebellion was having uh, a video focus on my app in Brain. Mm-hmm. And Instagram have uh, replicated that. So basically what they're doing is they're basically trying to be TikTok. Mm. Uh, and so they're preferencing two different things. One is video and the other is discovery. And the discovery point seems to be the one that seems to have annoyed people a lot. And so basically that is the idea that you follow, let's say, 300, accounts, what you're, what you're seeing on your feed was actually 50 accounts you didn't follow that the algorithm thought you might be interested in. The problem is that people are so used to going onto Instagram to catch up with their friends, families, and new services and celebrities that they actually want to follow that this adjustment caught everyone by surprise. The turning point was when some big Hollywood A-listers got behind it and then it was all over really. The Kardashians changed Instagram forever, didn't they? They really did. It was one post saying, make Instagram normal again or something something. something along those lines. And, um, it only took a matter of days after that. And then uh, the Instagram chief gave an interview to The Verge and said, we're going back. We're glad we took the risk, but uh, we've heard the feedback loud and clear.
0: So Manal, if I was to open up Instagram now, how different is it to what it was when they, when they made these changes? Would I be seeing more of friends and family? Has has it been that instant?
1: Yeah, I looked at my Instagram and it's, uh, we we had this long flight. My son had this very long flight from Dubai and he's sleeping next to me in the same hotel room. And suddenly my my Instagram was screaming music in my face. I'm like, what's happened? So that was the change. So the screaming music, more videos. Um, you didn't see actually your friends. You just see sponsored and suggested. And because you watch this... Uh, Instagram, when they bought it, it was just photos and they wanted to acquire Snapchat when Snapchat was uh, very popular with teens. And when Snapchat said no, they went and they copied all the features in Snapchat, you know, filters and stories that disappear after one day. Now, TikTok is picking up three billion uh, downloads so far of TikTok. Facebook, What they do, they just copy instead of innovating. So they were trying to be more video uh, viewing social media because they want to just attract the same people who are on TikTok. But they just need to be Instagram. And the, the petition actually was started by Tati Bruning. She's a 21-year-old photographer, and she started a petition to collect 300,000 signatures. I'm looking at the petition now, make Instagram Instagram again, <laughs> uh, close to Trump, make America uh, great again. And the petition, I'm looking at it now, 284,000 Signed. She wanted to reach three hundred thousand. And
0: it definitely seemed to capture people's attention. And of course, uh, you know, as we were alluding to earlier, that there was there was petitions, but then there was also like some very very famous people. I joke about the Kardashians. I mean, just to play devil's advocate for a second here, Sam, like. Would that change have been good for you as a business?
2: Well, I think all news organisations on social media anywhere around the world are making the move to more video. It's just a given that the TikTok-led video revolution means that consumers want more videos, and that's that's fine. The move for Instagram to give more discoverability probably wouldn't have been too bad for us because we would have been introduced to new people. The problem is that we rely on such a strong sense of community that we lost that sense of community. We weren't getting the engagement from the, you know, 100,000 people who like to read our stuff every single day. They were struggling to find us. And that is the real sense of community that a lot of brands, not just news companies, but, you know, lifestyle brands or or identities, influencers, they rely on. So that is what, when it was taken out from under us, that is what made us a bit sad.
0: If you, if you remove the, the kind of the issue of like, images versus video, right? Because I think, you know, there's gonna be an increasingly amount of amount of video on that platform anyway. But if if you kind of separate that kind of dichotomy off to one side, you get a separate issue, which is how much when you open up a, a service like Instagram, do you want to see the people that you know, friends and family, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, versus be introduced to new things, things that you haven't seen before that you might want to follow. Like what do you think is the good balance there? If, if you were to kind of pull a percentage out of the air, because it seems like in at, at the very least Instagram <laughs> got it wrong. Um, so if you had to pick a percentage of people that you already follow, that you know and like versus something new something you haven't seen before in your feed what would you go with banal
1: i closed my account once i had like 10000 followers there and they were asking me why i closed my accounts and i put there that i do you, and the question was do you want to see more rele- more <laughs> friends and family content uh, is it too much ads? So they're actually listing. Do you want to see list ads on your Instagram? So they know why people are closing their Instagrams or just completely. It's so noisy. Like it's, <laughs> it's like an app on ADHD, an ADHD <laughs> app. Like you don't know there are all these whistles and, 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 um, and builds all over. It's, they're trying to just make it another Facebook. Instagram was very successful when it started because of simplicity and minimalist It was just for photos and it was very popular. And now they took that away. I want to read this tweet. So uh, the whole Instagram saga moved to Twitter now. And this lady, Mick Watson, her tweet received 300.8 thousand retweets. And she said the new Instagram update really understood what I was looking for. And she lists none of my friends' content, reposted TikToks from memes, accounts I do not follow, 100 uh, more ads, 100% 100% more ads. Everything played at full volume against my will. And that's the last one I faced that.
0: <laughs> For you, if you had to kind of weigh up the um, the percentages, Sam, how would you lay like, it out? I'd say it's
2: 50-50. But I think there's a more nuanced conversation here to have about how good the apps were at recommending content to you. And this is the real underlying tech discovery that I think we can all take out of this episode. TikTok's algorithm is bloody awesome. It can tell you within a couple of minutes, it can kind of get a sense of what it wants to serve you. And that's why people enjoy the discoverability on that app. Instagram couldn't replicate that. And so the problem that people were having was that they were being forced to discover things that weren't naturally aligned with them. If the algorithm had nailed it, and I was getting served stuff that I found genuinely useful and interesting and entertaining, I would have been delighted with more discoverability on Instagram. The problem is that, as Manal just said, in you know the irrelevant memes and the the silly videos that the the algorithm didn't understand me, and that I think is the key difference here.
0: What do you reckon, Manal? If if the algorithm was better and it served you things you you wanted exactly when you wanted them, do you think there would have been as much a backlash?
1: Uh, I, okay. So from privacy perspective. Uh, for me, I don't want algorithm to study me because I know that TikTok algorithm are really advanced when it comes. You just, you just watch two videos. It takes only two videos and they, they fine tune your feed based on those two videos. And that's not what you watched only, how, how long you watch it, uh, when did you scroll, uh, how do you scroll, uh, when do you log in, what time. So they study all your behavior when you're using TikTok, which is really creepy and scary. I don't want algorithm to do that. I think I just want to put my interests and maybe I'm following certain things, let's say New York Times or I just have a beagle. The Daily Oz. Yeah, yeah, the Daily Oz, (laughs) yes. Uh, So and based on my interests, I don't want algorithm to really study me and collect so much about my behaviour.
0: I feel like I say the same things, but then at the end of the day, Sam – if it gets me right and it shows me something I'm genuinely interested in, somehow all of my concerns around it, knowing me, have this very strange habit of falling away to the background. Do you, do you have it the same thing? We just
2: want to be known. We just want to be loved, Mark. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <off>. <laughs> and so, you know, if we're if we're using a social media app that we find really understands us, and I mean let's take the co-founder of the Daily Oz Zara, for example, she keeps coming back to TikTok because it shows her really good cleaning hacks. Now, she didn't even know that she wanted to see cleaning hacks, but it clearly has identified that she enjoys them. And so that's, I think, you know, there's some clearly some privacy issues and, and it's been well talked about, especially on this podcast. We've gone over it a couple of times and I've listened to a number of episodes, but at the end of the day, we really just enjoy being happy.
0: Download the show is what you're listening to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology, and culture. Our guest this week, Sam Kozlowski, co-founder of The Daily Oz, and Manal Asharif from the Tech for Evil podcast and cybersecurity expert. And interestingly, on the topic of TikTok, uh, news this week, the has said it has actually refused an attempt by the Chinese government to open a disguised account on the platform for the purpose of spreading propaganda. What exactly does that mean, Sam? Basically, an account tried to register on the platform that
2: the head office of TikTok was somewhat aware was the Chinese government going undercover. um, And they've kind of done a bit of a turnaround. It's gone through a bit of TikTok's PR machine. And they've come out and said, we didn't give that account approval because it it broke our own standards of not being who they said they were.
0: So this is a bit interesting because one of the the fascinating things about ByteDance, the company that that own TikTok, Manal, is that of course it is a Chinese company, and there has been some coverage recently about what kind of access does the Chinese government have to the back end. Are you surprised that this particular story may, I guess, came out?
1: Uh, for me, it's a TikTok propaganda. Yeah. This this whole. Story I didn't want of- to say it, but
0: that was definitely the implication. <laughs>
1: And I just love what they, what they used uh, in the, you know, they have a press release. And I want to read from the press release TikTok, uh, they said that this account, the, create, the attempt to create this account is violation of our community guidelines. I want to read, quote, unquote, cord, this account, users cannot engage. So it says TikTok's community guidelines state that users cannot engage in, quote, unquote, coordinated, inauthentic behavior, where accounts exert influence and sway public opinion while misleading individuals or community or our systems about the accounts, identity, location, relationship, blah, blah, blah. I'm reading the the book, An Ugly Truth, about the the Facebook uh, rise to dominance or uh, fight to dominance. And exactly the page I'm reading now, page 113 on the book, exactly talks about the Russian uh, interference, in the two thousand and sixteen presidential election, and they used exact. They had to add this community guidelines, quote unquote, coordinated inauthentic behavior. TikTok servers reside in China. They have a team in in the U.S. and they claim. That the accounts of the users in the U.S. stays in the U.S. and it doesn't go to China. But if TikTok servers, if TikTok is actually running an algorithm and everything in China, explain to me like it—it it can't happen that you have two separate distribution of your. Um, uh, uh operation tiktok in china and tiktok in tiktok is tiktok that's it uh, and if you go and read the privacy policy of this uh, app it mentions in the privacy policy they have access to your private messages so your private messages been accessed pretty much accessed by any employee for tiktok with a chinese-based or american-based so that's for me it's just i don't know bs i say this whole story
0: Are the sorts of permissions that you give uh, TikTok any more or less egregious than what you give Instagram or Facebook or any of the other social media services? From my understanding on this, it's more about how many users TikTok has.
2: So I don't think that the particular permissions are that groundbreaking in terms of any other app having similar ones. I do know that there's been a lot of reporting about TikTok. Indeed does have access to things like your calendar and your contact list and your messages, but it does sound like other apps have that as well. The problem is just that number of billions of users that TikTok has and the amount of information and data that can be derived from that many people. I read an interesting piece this week that was kind of making the point that future leaders of the free world could be young tiktok users right now and and what impact will the privacy issues that we're currently discussing have in 15 20 years time when a future president or a future leader of the united nations is is exposed for sending some silly messages 20 years ago that were never public but because of this kind of tiktok backdoor were i think that's really the concerns of a lot of people however speaking to young australians and we've done some polling on this on in, on the daily oz there's a sense of it's too late there's mm. a sense of the the horse is bolted uh which i think is quite interesting there's also a sense of i've got nothing to hide so i think there's a bit of kind of privacy literacy that needs to happen to to think about what's what are we entitled to what does TikTok actually have and how can it be used?
0: Is TikTok inherently more concerning than, say, the permissions that one hands over to, to Instagram or, or or Facebook or Snapchat? That's what I'm trying to kind of understand. Or is there a degree of, I guess, alarmism simply because it's a Chinese company? And, and what's reasonable and what's not reasonable, Manal?
1: Oh, it's a very good question and very complicated question. Tech companies based, let's say, in democracies. Spotify, by the way, does the same where it uh, analyzes what you do. And it's a Swedish company. So it's not only tech companies from Silicon Valley. The question here is all these apps, they went so far in collecting behavioral data of people using them. And it doesn't matter where, if it's Facebook sitting in the US, a democracy, we have maybe more trust than ByteDance sitting in China who have access to our data, your data, once collected, once stored, can be hacked and stolen. So it doesn't matter who's collecting this. We're against this excess of tech collecting every single thing about us in in, in a way that is obsession. Of collecting every single thing, not only the things we share, also the things we don't share. Our behavioral data, how we use our, how long, how how far you charge your phone, when do you charge it, uh, your alarm sitting there, and all that tells so much information about our personality, psychology, and mental state. That's my problem with technology today. Social media, it's amazing in connecting people, but when decisions are made, what the type of data they collect and how they use it, it's not to the best of our interest. It's the best of interest of the shareholders of these companies. The whole business model is now under attack by people from Silicon Valley itself, uh, that it's always profit over humanity and privacy and people. I think that's the big picture we should look at when dealing with social media. And by the way, I'm not on social media. My Instagram account is just hidden, and I have few users there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but now you told everybody a national radio. <laughs> I know, but no one will find me. Believe me.
0: <laughs> Sam, just to come back to the the kind of the the core of that question is: that mm. does does TikTok get a disproportionate level of scrutiny? What do you think? I think that
2: we can't ignore the links to China. I think you know, just this week. New Zealand's parliamentarians were told not to have TikTok on their phone and the statement from the House specifically mentioned China in that. And I think, you know, let's think about Instagram, Meta, US-based company. There's just a different energy... In terms of the statements that come out about how parliamentarians, as an example of people with sensitive information, should be engaging with the apps, um, one thing that TikTok does seem to be able to have access to that other apps don't is your iMessage. There, I, do, I was doing a bit of research this week, and it seems like Instagram, for an example does have access to things like your clipboard. So the text that you copy and paste, it does have access to your location. It does have access to the apps on your phone and the way that you engage with advertising. And that's why when you're Googling, I want to buy a hammock, you see an ad for a hammock on Instagram. It seems that TikTok has all of that, but then it also has access to the iMessage. And so I think that's actually, uh, it's definitely a conversation we should be having with TikTok, but also where's Apple in all of this? Well, they sell themselves as the great privacy company, right? If it's true that TikTok can interact with your iMessage, that's definitely a conversation we should be having with Apple around the table as well.
0: And finally here on Download the Show, interesting... I'm going to call it post-pandemic news, even though I know the pandemic's not strictly speaking over. But um, if you bought something online over the pandemic, there's a fairly good chance you would have come across a piece of software or a platform called Shopify. It was um, used by a lot of on- online stores to kind of build their online stores. It would also kind of help kind of manage the, the delivery to some extent. Uh, Spotify have culled some stuff recently, which suggests perhaps... Uh, and this is a they're a global company, I think the Canadian base, which suggests perhaps, Sam, that uh, our online shopping <laughs> behaviors from the pandemic have been curtailed somewhat. Well, I think this goes into the wider context of the
2: tech crunch or the tech rec, as it's being called, it's so catchy. Shopify um, they're always, you know, the dot com boom, there's always a, a catchy name for it.. Um, Shopify is just falling into the same kind of pattern of a lot of these major tech companies where the emphasis for investors, for venture capital firms, et cetera, is all about revenue rather than growth. So I think Shopify is the type of company that would have had hundreds of millions, if not billions of free users, but the actual number of merchants, so the, the shops that kind of employ the software to run, they're the ones paying. Uh, and so when the focus from all the investors turned away from how many people are Using Shopify and onto how much money you're making. That's where there was probably some staff shortage pressure, and that came through. The way that the staff found out they were cut was pretty brutal. They were found out in a morning email here in Australia, uh, and that, that is a really horrible experience. But it's pretty across the board now in in the tech sector that uh, there's quite a few companies that are uh, are sinking people. Via redundancies.
0: Does it tell you something about our online behaviour in the wake of, I guess, lockdowns, Manal? Is as our the sort of shopping behaviour is it changed or is it more to you? Is it more a story about what's happening in the tech industry?
1: Oh, it's just the tech industry because it's it's unbelievable that two years of the pandemic when people were just locked home, how Netflix, for example, that's another tech company, uh, their sort their their stocks soared. Um, now everyone. Uh, Amazon is suffering from the same. Uh, Netflix, all these companies that made this astronomical uh, gains during the pandemic, because everyone was online, everyone was buying online, watching movies online, they lost all that. There is this huge. If you follow any of the stock market, um, and you see how much they lost, I think in, I think they lost trillions of dollars. Like just talking about Shopify itself, eighty percent of their stocks. From that they gained last year, they lost it, and this is this is uh, if you look at the spectrum of all the tech companies, all of these tech companies they had a boom during the pandemic, and now they're losing it. And I think it's just correcting because it wasn't normal. We were in uh, in a time uh, it was unprecedented time for us when we're locked home, uh, with internet with fast internet. Of course, all our be all our activities will be online. So they i would call it naive if those founders and heads of these tech companies think that such behavior will continue after the pandemic it was it was uh, temporary thankfully the pandemic is over of course everyone will um, will have to go back to accept the pre pandemic gains
0: what stays with us in ter- like do, i mean specifically in terms of online behavior sam like what what do you think the long-lasting legacy of that period is going to be? I think it's this idea for a tech company to be
2: successful, they need as many users as possible. And that kind of goes to how strong your data is Um, So it's less about how many people are actually paying you for the service. It's more just about how many users can you possibly get. And I think that's an idea that's really been born in the last five years or so. Um, And it is coming under the microscope now when you've got a company like Canva, whose valuation has taken a massive hit over the last couple of weeks. They've got, you know, hundreds of millions of free users. And now they're having to focus, refocus on their revenue side of the business and really um, focus in on that because that's the way that you prove a company's worth now. What, like with actual money? Yeah, with actual money. What, well, what a shock. It's it's really interesting because you've got companies like Facebook, Netflix, even something like an Atlassian who
0: isn't kind of user-facing. You and I don't know we're using Atlassian products when we do. These are all sort of business products that get kind of used in offices, but they, they don't get with that nice big branding, so you don't know that you've, you're using Exactly, but product. the
2: focus now is not on how many eyeballs you've got, but it's now on how man, how much money's in the bank
0: which is ironic because in some ways that's exactly what business always was and it just seems like in some, to some degree the tech business just sort of behaved as though that isn't how capitalism yeah, works. Yeah, there's for a bit while. of a
2: cowboy mentality that we know we've and we've all seen all the dramas um, you know about WeWork and Uber and there's a bit of a narrative that's emerged over the last 20 years of these American based companies really going for taking over the world first and thinking about revenue second. Uh, and now that that is, as Manal says, correcting slightly.
0: So Manal, is the the age of um, sort of tech cowboys that, you know, go and amass enormous amounts of venture capital without necessarily having a, a plan for turning a profit, is that the age of that over it, uh, now?
1: hopefully it is hopefully there is correction uh if you so we call them unicorns so any tech company that reach a billion dollar in valuation we call it a unicorn so the age of unicorns is dying, which is uh, the, the it's, uh it's growth over uh, profit. It
0: really sounds like a fantasy novel, by the way. The age of the unicorn, that is the unicorn <laughs>
1: Yeah, We call them unicorn in the tick industry. Now there's something called zebras. And read about the zebras. Oh <laughs> and I love Christ. the zebras. Oh it's God. all about giving value and creating really good value and people are willing to pay for that value over growth. So it's not growth at all expense and, and at all uh, cost, uh, like what Silicon Valley are doing, and we can just tell like how that business model is not sustainable.
0: Wait, wait, why did they go with zebra when there was like a range of other animals <laughs> like a like range of other animals that, that hold the analogy much stronger? Why zebra? I, I
1: also, when I first heard the analogy zebra, I was like, why would you choose zebra? Choose a lion or a mythical creature. But they, they, the, the people who credit the zebra um, and you can read about them, um, I just heard uh, this beautiful interview in another podcast, Tristan Harris, your undivided uh, attention with the two founders. Uh, the zebra when they are attacked, uh, they go in together they, um, in a group, and they actually confuse uh, um, the, the attacker. Like if there's an animal trying to attack them, they confuse it with their, their their lines. And it's all about collaboration, more about more than competition and growth at all costs. That's why the analogy zebra.
0: I mean, it's stretching. It's a long bow, but I'll take it. (laughs) Uh, We'll have to solve the mystery of the zebra another day. Manal Asharif, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Download This Show this week.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Mark. This was fun.
0: (laughs) Manal Asharif is the host, co-host rather, of the Tech for Evil podcast and a cybersecurity expert, Sam Kozlowski, co-founder of The Daily Oz. Thank you so much for joining us again on Download This Show. From one zebra to another, Mark. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Let's be unicorns. Let's be unicorns together. Uh, My name is Mark Fennell. Uh, Imagine me as a unicorn. It's going to make this podcast a lot more fun if you visualise a unicorn talking to me. Uh, That is all we have time for on the program this week. I'll catch you next week for another episode of Download This Show.